Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. A reminder, we have just recently launched our Volume 2 feed at volume2.greatdetectives.net. It's our latest archive feed where you can enjoy Seasons 4, 5, and 6 of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Currently, we are releasing one week's worth of episodes onto the Volume 2 podcast every week. Although we will eventually scale that up so that we can the entirety of Season 4 in about 16 weeks. So uh, now's a great time to subscribe. Check it out, volume2.greatdetectives.net. But now, let's go ahead and get into today's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. The original air dates are March the 12th and March the 13th of 1956. And, as reminders, we will be playing episodes 3 through 5 on Friday. And if you would like to listen to all five parts at the same time, then you may want to go ahead and... Uh, pause this episode and then come back to it on Friday and then you can listen to all five of the five-part episodes at the same time. But here now is the Clinton Matter episodes one and two. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Mr. John Dollar? Yes? Western Union, I have a message for you from New York. Oh, Please proceed Northern Hotel, Clinton, Colorado, as soon as possible. Yeah. Building irregularities suspected affecting several insurance companies will advise, regards, signed Albert Davies, Chief Investigator, United Adjustment Bureau, New York, New York. Uh-huh. Would you like that mail to you, Mr. Dollar? Uh, no, no, don't bother. Can you take an answer? Go ahead. To Albert Davies, Chief Investigator, United Adjustment Bureau, you have the address, confirming exact time of arrival to follow. Sign that, Johnny Dollar. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the United Adjustment Bureau, New York City, New York. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Clinton matter. Or maybe racket is a better word. Expense account, first item, $105.63. Transportation by air, Hartford to Denver. Item two, $28.50. Denver to Grand Junction. A place busy and bustling with uranium hopefuls. Third expenditure, $100.00. Deposit and rental on a car, which I used to drive the 105 miles through the rugged mountains due north of Grand Junction to Clinton, Colorado. A place that the rental agents had described as a sleepy little mountain town. When I got there, everybody was running in the direction of what was very shortly not going to be the new school building. 
Like everybody else in Clinton, Colorado, I spent the next three hours or so helping to try and get the fire under control. Then finally, I left the scene and located the Northern Hotel, where the clerk was standing by waiting for me. Mr. Dollar? Uh, yeah. Operator 18, New York City, has been calling you for the last four hours. Uh, Mr. Davies, I believe. Oh, yeah. Could you put the call in for me? Certainly, I'd be glad to. I'll take it up to my room. I want to change my clothes. Certainly. Boy, take Mr. Dollar's bags up to 310. I shaved and showered, changed clothes, and unpacked. From my window, I could see the still glowing embers of the fire, red against the winter night. The school building was completely destroyed. Beyond, the snow-covered Rockies rose all about the town of Clinton, which I had yet to see. Johnny Dollar. I, uh, have your call now, Mr. Dollar. Oh, good, thanks. Johnny? Hi, Al. Say, I've been trying to get to you all day. I thought you were going to let me know the minute you got into town. Well, there was a fire here, Al. I had to pitch in and help along with everybody else. Oh, I see. Well, has Osborne contacted you yet about this case? Osborne? Who's that? Julian Osborne. Look, I talked to him in Clinton last night. He said he'd wait around the hotel until you showed up. He lives there, Johnny. He drove into Denver two days ago and told the insurance broker he thought a building that Great Eastern Fidelity covered was in real bad shape. Now, what building? Well, a new school that they just put up there, Johnny. Al, it was in bad shape. Worse shape now. It fell down about four hours ago. That was the fire, Al. Oh. Well, Great Eastern's in for $200,000. Look, Johnny, contact Julian Osborne and see what he has to say. Right. And call me back when you find out what's what. So long. Yes, Mr. Dollar, may I help you? Yeah. Do you have a city directory here in Clinton? We aren't that small. Right here it is. Right here. Good. After all, we have 14,263 people. Okay, thanks. I know most of them, Mr. Dollar. Who do you want to get in touch with? A man named Julian Osborne. Uh, Julian Osborne? Yeah. Know him? I didn't know him, but it came over the radio a little while ago. They found his body in the fire. He burned to death. A four-block walk down the icy streets of the town took me to the sheriff's office and face-to-face with a heavy-set, owlish-looking man named Doherty. Sheriff Paul Doherty. He smiled professionally until I got around to inquiring about Julian Osborne. Oh. Well, uh, you his family? No, no. I, I made the trip here to Clinton to see him especially, though. I just heard he was killed in the fire. Yes. Yes, too bad about Mr. Osborne. I don't quite understand about it, though. He was school janitor. Oh. What, um, what was your business with him, Mr. Dollar? Insurance investigation. Oh? Yeah, Osborne reported the possibility of something wrong with the new school. He, he did? Uh, to who? To our brokers in Denver. That's why they sent me out here. Well, <laughs> your trip was for nothing, then. Maybe. Well, you'd think if he had anything like that on his mind, he'd have come to me, wouldn't you? Yes. Did he? No. No, used to pass him on the street. Never said a word. Uh-huh. Where's the body? Morgue. I, uh, I wouldn't go over there, son. I want to contact some of his family, his friends. Well, that might be hard to do. No family here, no close friends. Used to prospect for a living until he got kind of old. Then he took the job janitoring. Lived right there in the basement of the school. Eh, city will bury him. I see. How long had he worked at the school? 
six months since the place was built. Mm-hmm. Who hired him? The principal, Flory Hawkins. Flory Hawkins. Where can I find her? Lives on Pearson Street. That's one block over and two blocks to your left. Number uh, 326. 326 Pearson, huh? That's right. And son, hmm? bad night to go calling on her. I'd like to see Mrs. Hawkins, please. I'm Miss Hawkins. Well, I'm an insurance investigator. My name's Johnny Dollar. Insurance? Yes. Why do you want to talk to me? Well, I'll be frank with you, Miss Hawkins. I came to Clinton to talk to Julian Osborne. Oh. You heard he died in the fire. Yes, I heard. Tragic. I'm so thankful school wasn't in session today. Uh, come in. Thank you. I know this has been a pretty grueling day for you, for everyone in this town, Miss Hawkins, losing your school and all. I wouldn't call on you, except I feel it's important. I... Excuse me, please. Sure. Hello? Who? Yes, Sheriff. Yes, he is right now. Yes. Good night. There's just a couple of questions I'd like you to answer about Julian Osborne so I'm I can get... I'm afraid I can't help you with anything, Mr. Dollar. What? You'll have to go now. Well, look, now, wait a minute. If, if you don't eat... I don't want to be impolite, but I'm tired. Very tired. Yeah, sure. That phone call wore you up. Please. All right, all right, I'll go, Miss Hawkins. But I think you should know why I came here. I can assure you, Mr. Dollar, whatever the reason, I'm simply not interested. I was sent here because Julian Osborne advised the insurance company that he suspected certain building irregularities had gone into the new school. Miss Hawkins, did Mr. Osborne ever mention anything like this to you? No. Now, will you Do you please... have an idea to whom he might have confided such information here in Clinton? No. I rather think he was imagining things. You noticed nothing irregular yourself? No, of course not. Mm-hmm. Would that call you just had from Sheriff Doherty cause you not to notice anything? Is that all? I'm dreadfully tired. Thanks for your time. Oh, Miss Hawkins. Yes? If Sheriff Doherty calls again, tell him I'm at the Northern Hotel. Northern Hotel. Good night, Mr. Dollar. Expense account item four, $10.80. One long-distance call to New York. I got Al Davies out of bed and told him the fate of Julian Osborne. Davies requested me to stay on in Clinton to see the matter through. About 11 o'clock that night, I walked over to the site where the new school had once stood. A few firemen and policemen were still around, searching the ashes by the light of lanterns and spotlights. One of them told me the cause of the fire had not yet been determined. I started back to my hotel... Turning a corner by an alley, two men in dark clothes were holding a third man in a sheepskin. A fourth man was giving him the works. Hey, just a minute here. Come on, let's get out of here, boy. There. Easy now, easy now. You need some help, mister. Everybody needs help. Let me tell you who I am before you help me. Maybe you won't want to. Easy, just take it easy now. I'm... David Baines. You're from out of town, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> I thought so. I architected that school that isn't anymore. 
Well, don't you understand, Samaritan? Don't you see? That group of citizens who were working me over just now have kids. The kids could have been in there when the fire broke out. You're reason, uh, uh, I, I'm afraid. I'm afraid they feel I don't design especially good buildings. I took David Baines over to my hotel room, still half unconscious from the beating. I sent the bellboy out for bandages, iodine, and something to take off the chill. While I was patching him up, I was thinking how he'd stood there and taken that beating. Stood there in sight of half a dozen policemen and firemen and let them do that to him. <coughs> yeah, try a little more. Thanks. Uh, who are you? Johnny Dollar, insurance investigator. I came here about the school. I see. <laughs> do you want to beat me up, too? company you're working for will be liable. Want some more of this? Uh, what'd you say your name is? Dollar. Johnny Dollar. Mr. Dollar, I'm in a curious position. I designed the school. I planned every feature of it. But I had nothing to do with the building. You don't believe me? I wish you'd explain that. A week before they broke ground, a very important thing happened to me, Mr. Dollar. I went to Europe. I couldn't pass it up. It was a chance to study for another year under some men I'd admired all my life. <laughs> Consider it a scholarship, Mr. Baines. That's what he said. Who said? The man who paid my way to Europe. His name was Roy Vickery. So I went to Europe, and I studied. I came back, and my building was all built. Now it's burnt down. I'm a local boy who's made bad. Very bad. Who's Roy Vickery? The contractor who built it. I better talk to him. Yes, talk to him by all means. You represent a rich and powerful company, Mr. Dollar. But in Clinton, you're wasting your time. You'll learn no facts, no information, nothing helpful from anyone here. Particularly Roy Vickery. You're in a tight, hot, mean little burg, Mr. Dollar. All right, let's have it. Was that building fired on purpose? I just told you. You won't find out anything in this town. Johnny Deller. David Baines. Hi. How's it going this morning? I'm staying off the streets. I don't want to be beat up again. I'd advise you to do the same. I can't very well do that. The city of Clinton has filed claim for their school building. I have to make an investigation. You're bucking a rough crowd, Mr. Dollar. Where till you meet them all? I intend to. I admire you, but I think you're foolish. Good luck. Just a minute. What? Not only did a school building burn down yesterday, but a man died in that fire. If there was something wrong with it, I want to get to the bottom of it. I expect help from you, too. I'll stay here until I hear from you. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to United Adjustment Bureau, 418 West 61st Street, New York City. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Clinton matter. That's Clinton, Colorado. Expense account item 5, 80 cents, telegram to Dodd and Company, Denver Insurance Brokers, who would handle the policies covering the new school building in Clinton. I requested them to forward copies of the policies. 
Item six, ten cents, one copy of the Clinton Times and the full story on the fire. It was believed by Fire Chief Hanley that the fire had started because of overheated boilers in the heating system. Dollar, is it? Yeah, that's right. I'm an insurance investigator. Yep. Well, what can I do for you? Tell me about the fire yesterday. You sound like you're carrying a chip on your shoulder, Mr. Dollar. We had word that building irregularities were suspected in that school, Chief. The word came from the janitor, Julian Osborne. He burned to death in that fire yesterday, and the building's gone now. You get as head up as you want to, boy. I got my own troubles. I'll tell you what we think, and you can take it, whether you like it or not. We think old Julian Osborne might have passed out, got drunk, or had a heart attack in that building. We think something like that happened, and the boilers kept right on going and built up the pressure. We think the boilers exploded, the fire started, and that was that. And why do you think the whole place went down? Because it spread so fast. Why did it spread? I didn't build the building. I just took care of the fire. You're going to have to change your attitude around here if you want anybody to cooperate with you. All right, then tell me this. Why, on a day when school wasn't in session, would those boilers be fired up at all? I don't know. Chief... Last night, I talked to Sheriff Doherty, trying to get information about Julian Osborne. He didn't know anything either. I also talked to Flory Hawkins, the school principal. She didn't know. Now you don't know anything. Who does? I've done my job, boy. I've determined cause. You've also given me a chance to look at you, which was about the only reason I came here. No. I'll get information elsewhere, Chief. There's some people in this town who want to talk and tell me things. You and your sheriff and whoever else is involved can't keep every mouth in this town shut... And I'll tell you like I told Miss Hawkins. I'm at the Northern Hotel. In case you remember anything. I can't hear you, boy. Not one word. Expense account item seven, dollar eighty. Breakfast in the coffee shop of my hotel for myself and David Baines, who still looked badly battered from the beating he'd taken the night before. You're taking a chance sitting here with me. Hope you realize that. Am I? I'm public enemy number one in this town. I'm the man who built the school that didn't stay up. Look, Baines, I want you to tell me all about it. If you have any information or knowledge that would be helpful in this investigation, then you'd better give out with it right now. What specifically do you want to know? First, the town. You know what this place is? It's a backyard. And only the rich kids can play here. Vickery, Hanley, Doherty, those are the rich kids, Mr. Dollar. The rest of us are, well... We live across the tracks. Let's start with Vickery. He's a builder. Not only here, all over these mountains. Grand Junction, Rifle, Mesa, all over. He's got a million dollars and a million angles. He's the one who sent me to Europe to study for a year after I completed my plans for the new building. Got me out of the way. Okay. Fire Chief Hanley. A friend of Vickery's. And any friend of Vickery's is going to get rich one way or another. Sheriff Doherty. He keeps the law orderly for Vickery. Very necessary. Okay, then. The fire itself. Chief Hanley says the school boilers blew up and caused the fire. There was no reason for those boilers to be fired up. No reason. If they were fired, they were fired to blow up. They had automatic shutoff equipment. What about Julian Osborne? You say he notified the broker in Denver that something was wrong with the building, and that's how you got here. I don't know. They might have fired it for money, too. I told you I was in Europe until they constructed it. I got back in Clinton four days ago. I went over to see my building... They used my outside drawing, Dollar. Wooden beams where I indicated steel girders. Only half the plumbing and heating system, other things. It looked like they'd made it up as they went along. Did you talk to anybody about it? Oh, sure. 
The contractor. Vickery. Vickery. He told me to keep my mouth shut and be a good boy. You think he got you out of town during the construction so you wouldn't interfere? I think so. I'm not important, but it was the easiest way. I understand Mr. Vickery's a little unpopular today. What? A delegation went out to his house to hang him or something. Baines was partially right. A delegation had gone out to see Roy Vickery and his polished fine domain at the end of town. They were still there when I drove up in my rented car. Twenty or thirty irate citizens demanding an explanation for the lost school. Ten uniformed men from Sheriff Doherty's office formed a half-moon circle in front of the main entrance, their holsters unbuckled. The sheriff himself was directing the operation. All right, just a minute there. Hello, Sheriff. Huh? Johnny Dollar, I talked to you last night. Oh, yeah. Chief Hanley called me about you. The chief called you, and last night you called Flory Hawkins. That was nice. Keep the wires burning. The chief said you came over to see him, used abusive language, tried to cause trouble. The chief was mistaken. I wasn't trying to cause trouble, Sheriff. There's enough of that in this town. I was just trying to find out how the fire started yesterday. The chief told you how it started. I didn't believe him. Now, what do you think of that? You better watch your step around here, Mr. Dollar. You seem to be looking for arguments all the time. Not at all, Sheriff. I'm misunderstood. We understand you all right. How's Mr. Vickery? He's all right, and he's going to stay all right. I'm sure he will. But these people don't like their school burning down. It's expensive. Also, their kids could have been in it. I want to see Mr. Vickery about that. He isn't seeing anyone, Mr. Dollar. And we aren't letting anybody in to see him. Really? Did any of you people hear that? Now, look here. Hey, listen, folks. Listen to me, will you? Look. Now, listen. I'm an insurance investigator. I'm worried about what happened to your school yesterday. Keep quiet. They tell me Mr. Vickery built that school. The architect who designed it said it wasn't built to his specifications. Now, I want to go in and ask Mr. Vickery about that. The sheriff here doesn't want me to do that. I'll get you for this, Dollar. Wait a minute. The sheriff just said, I'll get you for this. All right, hold it. Hold it, please. Please, now listen to me. Listen. I'll put it to the sheriff again so you can all hear. Sheriff, I want to go in and see Mr. Vickery on business. Well? Go ahead. Thank you. At a direction from Sheriff Doherty, the wedge of deputies opened up long enough for me to walk through the wrought iron gate and up the steps to the Vickery mansion. A tall man in a white jacket answered the door and ushered me into a den that was stocked with good liquor and big leather chairs. Finally, a big man in a blue suit walked in. He had lots of good teeth and there wasn't an ounce of fat on his 230 pounds. I'm Roy Vickery. It was quite an act with Sheriff Doherty just now. I watched you from upstairs. That's a good safe place to watch from, Mr. Vickery. Now that you're in, what can I do for you? Tell me everything you can about that school building. Mm-hmm. Has the, uh, the city of Clinton made a claim yet? Yes, $200,000, building and contents. You got in town pretty fast. We heard there might be something wrong with that building before the fire. Apparently there was. Now, who told you a thing like that? Julian Osborne. He's dead now, you know. Oh? Well, two boilers explode and there's something wrong with the building. Is that the way you people figure? Yeah. Well, so do we, and we couldn't find anything wrong. Who's we? Officially, we're the... The Civic Construction Department, we just had a meeting. We thought we ought to. 
Yeah, yeah. I figure those people hanging around outside should be worrying. Well, they don't worry me, and you don't worry me. A drunken janitor goes to sleep and lets the boilers kick up, and the joint blows apart and burns down. That's what we decided in the meeting. It was a, a terrible accident. We'll have to use an old garage or something for a school, but then we'll get around to building another school with the insurance money we have coming. And that's that? That's that. Mr. Vickery, I'd like a copy of the specifications that went into that building. Sure, anything at all. Uh, there you are. Okay? That'll do for now. Good. Now, you can get out of my house, Dollar. You smell smoke. There were 50 pages of specifications on the building materials used in the construction of that school. They looked all right. They also looked as though they could have been forgeries. Expense account item eight, six dollars, one bottle of whiskey for David Baines and myself in my hotel room. Baines went over the specifications page by page. Okay, what do you think? These are my specifications, more or less. This is what's on paper that went into the building. How about what actually went into it? Well, the little I saw, they cut corners everywhere. The outside was just a shell of this stuff. You sure? These are my notes. I can remember this much. Can you remember it in front of a notary? I want a sworn statement. I don't know. You what? Don't look at me that way. You can get my statement and possibly a half a dozen other statements. On paper, you'd have a case. Then what would you do? Go to the district attorney? We haven't got a district attorney. We got a county attorney who's elected for a four-year term. All right, I'll go to him. Vickery? Then I'll go to somebody else, the insurance commission. You try to go any farther, they'll kill you, Dollar. Well, let me worry about that. Now, would you make a statement? Sorry. That'd kill me, too. And that's the way matters stood in Clinton, Colorado, 24 hours after their new school building had burned down and a man had died in the flames. Everyone seemed to know it was all wrong, but no one was willing to do anything about it. Johnny Dollar. Hello, Dollar. Roy Vickery. Well. You go over those specifications? Yes, I did. Very thoroughly. Well? I think they're fakes, Mr. Vickery. (laughs) I didn't ask you your opinion, Dollar. But you've got it. Well, I'm sure you're entitled to it. Uh, when, When are you leaving town? Not for a while. I was kind of hoping you'd be leaving like in about an hour. You'd make good connections then. Sorry. I haven't really gotten around as much as I want to yet. You saw me. I can tell you anything. Oh, I'll get around to you again. Get out of town, Dollar. Now. Vickery, there are times when I don't hear good. Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, a lady who promised to love, honor, and obey a building inspector, but wound up a widow. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood, written by John Dawson. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. 
Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking. Welcome back. Johnny usually has a quite cordial relationship with law enforcement, but he smells something crooked here and absolutely is taking no nonsense and is not afraid to make some enemies among the constabulatory. These first two episodes do a good job establishing the atmosphere of fear and cronyism in the town. This really uh, presents a problem for Johnny because I think at this point Johnny is certain that something's going on here, but finding someone who's willing to talk is going to be a challenge, particularly talk on the record. I wonder how much uh, the contractor just made from graft here, you know, to send the architect overseas to Europe to study is really super expensive. I imagine there were probably millions of dollars in today's money into the school project, which is what made it make sense for them. Well, we turn now to listener comments and feedback now, and we start with YouTube where a listener writes, the only person, and this is regarding the Quay Bono matter, the only person telling the truth was the local criminal element, Sammy Drake. Everyone else was either on the take, corruptible, or willing to lie for the daughter, Luann Parker. That's an interesting interpretation of events. Uh, well, obviously, there is some corruption going on there with the payoffs that Sammy was giving to the old DA and then later to the sheriff. I think that the motivations uh, guards to assuming Luann was innocent and that she was telling the truth had less to do about any sort of corruption and more to do with the fact that she had everyone in town wrapped around her finger. Uh, they knew her and they believed her to be a certain type of person, so they bought her story without question. The reason that Johnny and Sammy are able to see things differently is because they're from the outside. And that can be a benefit sometimes. Now, sometimes you just make assumptions or you jump to conclusions because you don't know people. But I think the idea in this story, the Quay Bono matter, is that 
they bought into her story with little thought. When Johnny was able to convince the sheriff, the sheriff actually went ahead and made the arrest, which kind of is an interesting case that shows that uh, someone might be corrupt, but not completely derelict in their duties and not willing to ignore the evidence once it's presented. Reinser writes, Que bono? All of us! What a great episode! Love the story and the climax where Johnny interviews the housekeeper. Uh, she tells him that Luann shot her father and then ran downstairs and took his tie off. And uh, you're right, that was actually an important clue that Johnny didn't pick up on until he met the stranger very serendipitously. Blue-winged rhino rights, that was a good one. And regarding Let George Do It, uh, uh, listener writes, Thanks, Adam. I always appreciate the time and effort you put into your channel. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Then we turn to uh, a comment regarding the episode where we reposted a program from our archives, an encore presentation of an episode featuring Bob Reddick, the wrong sign manner. Stephen writes, uh, the will was slipped inside a stock certificate that Danny had access to. When the niece told Johnny where she found the will, he said, so that's how he did it. That tipped me off. Well, thanks so much. I uh, appreciate the comment. Uh, and I am s sorry about that. It, I guess, is kind of the peril of the way that I did those encore presentations is I just grabbed the program that I played on my, I think for that one, it was my 3,000th day since the podcast had started. And I had no idea that I ended that episode with a question. And I got another listener who uh, contacted me about that as well. So I'm sorry about that. Uh, I actually got quite a few people correcting me on it at the time. I remembered that after getting uh, some of the responses I've gotten. And then finally, we have a review from Aaron Sr. in the Apple Podcast Store. Adam does a great job presenting a comprehensive archive of early radio dramas. I appreciate his post-commentary and his knowledge of the actors performing in the various shows. I don't mind the ads if it means that it helps uh, keep these old-time radio shows available. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. I appreciate your kind review in the Apple Podcast Store. And now, let's go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank John. John has been one of our Patreon supporters since August 2022, currently supporting the program at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, John. And that will actually do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to follow us using your favorite podcast software. And please be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download it from. We will be back on Friday with the conclusion of the Clinton matter. But join us back here tomorrow for Dangerous Assignment, where... After you, Mitchell? Thanks. Let's see. What floor is that again? Eight. The top button. Okay. You know, this must be getting pretty monotonous for you, Prebo, chasing after this guy and winding up with a handful of air each time. Yes, I'd like very much to get my hands on him. He's doing the cause of democracy in my country a great deal of harm. Of course, I am certain our neighbors across the border to the east are enjoying the whole affair hugely. I don't doubt it. 
Hey, what's the matter with the elevator? It quit. But we are only halfway up to the top. Halfway between the fourth and fifth floor, to be exact. I'll try the button. Mm. Nothing. This is the emergency signal button here, huh? Yes. I'll try that. Dead. All the power must be off. Well, let's see if we can bring any help. Hey, anybody around? I don't know if that will help or not, Mitchell. Huh? At this hour of the night, the building is deserted except for the night watchman, and there is no telling which section of the building he might be in. Well, you got any better ideas? No. Well, then oil up your tonsils and join me. Maybe we can raise... What's the matter? Listen. Hear anything? Yes. What is it? I don't know. I'm trying to pick it. Sort of a rasping metallic sound, and it's coming from somewhere above us in the elevator shaft by the sound of it. Yes. Strange. The elevator cage is vibrating slightly. Yeah. Hey, wait. What is it? If I can climb up the side of the cage a little. There. What are you doing? Wedge shut. Oh, fine. Look, Prevo. Somehow we've got to get this trap door on top of the cage open before it's too late. Too late? What do you mean? I just figured out what that sound over us is. It's a hacksaw. Uh Yes, you are right. Mitchell. Somebody is trying to saw the elevator cable in two. That's right, Prevo. If we don't figure a way out of this rat trap fast... I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.